Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I hope everyone is hanging in there. I've honestly been a little anxious about recording this intro because I quite frankly don't know what to say. I'm really angry and sickened and saddened by Wednesday's events at the Capitol. And yeah, I apologize. I really don't have the words. Um, I do want to just take a moment to send love and healing to everyone listening, specifically to black listeners. I just want to hold space for y'all and your feelings and send you some extra love during this time. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had more to say and I really don't. Um, I do want to just invite everyone to take a minute to check in with yourselves and just ask yourself this question. What do I need today? I think it's really easy to get into a pattern of just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling on your phones because things are really fucking scary right now and out of hand and you don't want to miss anything. Um, I know because I've been doing it too. That being said, it's of utmost importance to take care of yourself and take care of your mental health. So take a minute to ask yourself the question, What do I need to do for my self-care today? Do you need to take a bath, stretch, journal, go for a walk, call a friend? Take a minute to ask yourself that and do whatever the fuck you have to do to take care of yourself. Um, Yeah. Again, I'm sending love, positivity, and healing to everyone. I hope that doesn't sound too woo-woo. I don't want to sound flippant or diminish the... um, just the extent of how difficult this time is. But I mean it from the bottom of my heart, truly. I was grappling with whether or not to release an episode this week because I don't want to come off as insensitive. But I also know that podcasts can offer laughs and levity, as I like to say, a little escape and just a minute to giggle about lighter topics. So I am thrilled to introduce today's hilarious guest. Today, I am joined on the pod by the one and only Claire Linick. She is an incredible friend, a comedic icon, an author, a comedian, a playwright. She is the author of both The Awkward Phase and Our Perfect Marriage. Uh, She also writes really fucking funny pieces for outlets like Huffington Post and Pop Sugar. She was also casually prom queen of Aurora, Nebraska, circa 2007. And she's also currently appearing on the podcast Mystery County Monster Hunters Club, doing some incredibly funny and creative and cool storytelling over there. She's incredible. I love her. We had a fabulous conversation about the not one, but two times she was on a daytime talk show and uh, chaos ensued. We also talked about her first job as a corn breeder. Didn't even know that was a thing. You learn something new every fucking day. In addition to a myriad of other amazing topics, we had such a blast. I know y'all are going to love this conversation. I know y'all are going to love Claire. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Claire Linick. Oh my gosh, Claire Linick. Welcome to the pod. 
literally so excited, so nervous. Here we go. Oh my God. I'm thrilled to have you here. I, I just, I'm so excited. I can't even express. Well, listen, we, I want to give background for myself first, just to say it aloud and for everybody that we've met a grand total of once in real life. (laughs) And then COVID happened like the next week. So this is our second hangout. We had like an enchanting coffee sesh. It was like a three hour coffee. And I was like, I feel fresh as a daisy. I had the best time. I was like, see you later, girl. And then it was like, See you never because of COVID. Yeah. And I can send several references that will confirm that I leave most social interactions within 15 minutes. I, same. I mean, actually, no, I've, I'm not like classy like that. Like I always stay too late at a party, but I look forward to like being chic on the other side of this. I'm like leaving early. I see. I leave too early for it to be chic. Somewhere between you and me is the sweet so hot. spot. Yes. yes. Like you're a little bit late and then you leave a little bit early and it's like... Mm -hmm. Um, Claire, I have to ask you right off the bat. I researched you today. Makes me tingle. And you were like, I'm thrilled that you're Googling me. (laughs) I texted you and told you. Someone's got to besides me. (laughs) Have you ever Googled yourself? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I, um, was looking for a certain picture recently and I'm like, I think it's on the internet. And so I ended up Googling myself recently, I think within the last couple of months. And it was, it was intense. Was it fun or was it scary? Well, it was just fine. I didn't go too deep, but it's very easy because I'm like one of the last surviving Linux, which is Mm. my last name. So I'm, it's not hard to find stuff on me. It's not a very common name. So yeah, I feel like if I Googled myself, I would just see somebody else, i.e. the Bachelor Nation, Hannah Brown. You know what? And I've never, I don't know what that woman's face looks like. I don't know anything about her. So oh my God, she's thank you. just a weird mystery to me. Thank and you. I will never look her up. I'm honored to be the only Hannah Brown in your life. Um, I wanted to ask you, I was watching videos that you co-wrote with your husband, Alan. Yes. And my personal favorite was the one where everyone vomits because Alan hadn't seen like any movies. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was something we made back. We used to do videos in Chicago a lot more since Uh, we moved out here, you know, not doing as much weirdly because of sweet COVID. I think I've mentioned that before, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that was a great time. It was so funny. And it was, (laughs) so for those of y'all who haven't seen it yet, first of all, you need to go watch it, but also Alan starts naming, or everyone starts naming all these movies, and Alan hasn't seen any of them. And every time he names one that one of you has not seen, someone like throws up with disgust. Yes. And I wanted to ask, like, you and Alan are so adorable. You've collaborated on like, like your book that you wrote, videos. What's your process like, like as a couple, like your writing process, and what's like the most challenging part of like working with your significant other? So luckily, Alan and I work very well together, especially in the writing space. We actually met in Chicago comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And so we've tried to do like comedy together before. And that is not good. That is mm. what I can only call a tragedy for anyone watching it. <laughs> um, but we write very well together. And I think it's because, I don't know, luck. I honestly, but we've had to give each other a lot of tough notes over the years. And I think that's helped a lot. It's like, we've given each other the worst of the notes. So those are already out. 
That's hard. Whose idea was it to work together? Like on writing? Well, it just kind of naturally happened because when we first started dating, now you can't, and I, I want this, I want this to be marked down that this came up naturally. I did not, this was a natural segue. Yes. Alan and I were Twitter famous in 2013. (laughs) I'm shocked it wasn't page one on Google. So we started like a little Twitter together when we first started dating, like months in. And that was like famous for like two months, you know, intimate, intimate, intimate. It was just us writing every fight that we had and putting it on Twitter. So it started with that. And then we had a book together and we've done sketches. Uh, We're hoping to get a second book going here in the next year. And we're just... We work weirdly well together. He is a really, really good technical writer. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't find a comma to save my soul. Same. No clue where those go. Anytime that I'm like, okay, if we pause here, there must be a comma. Mm-hmm. Weirdly not true, I guess. So he's a great technical mm-hmm. writer. And that helps a lot to have him for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's edit, he edits all of my stuff for me because I just can't do it. That's so nice. Yes, I've got a little live-in editor, and he just cooked dinner, so everything's going really well. Claire, you're thriving. I love that. What's, like, your – because, like, what's your process as an individual writer, like, for projects you've done on your own? Yes. Um, I start as a very messy, messy writer because I'm very big on killing the blank page. Mm-hmm. So I just get that blank page out of the way, which is I think good for writer's block, but then ends up with the scariest first draft of all time. So I start like mm-hmm. very broad and wild. It's like this dialogue might hit here, might come back later. Probably not. Here's a weird thought I had. Um, emailed it to myself at 3 a.m. Is this going to fit in there? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of refining from there. But my first drafts are chaos. And Brittany, I know some Kevin people- chaotic. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. What so am I to say? But sorry, what were you gonna say? <laughs> no, I probably something about Brittany and Kevin, honestly. <laughs> well, because I I do always like I'm so fascinated by like I like writing, but I've never like written like a thing. Which you know, no spoilers. But, like we might collab soon on something. But oh, like I'm be- I'm so I'm so fascinated by like writing writer's processes because like I do feel like some people are really specific and then I love this idea of like killing the blank page yeah you know some people are really good with an outline and just like having it all swirl up in their head forever and then Mm -hmm. just almost vomiting out onto the page and Mm -hmm. that way and I am more it's called like shooting from the hip more in the writing world I just shoot from the hip Mm -hmm. um I don't know I think it always the end product is probably the same for both types of writers, but I'm definitely a messier. Just get it out there. Something's got to work. Do you like ever have like, are you ever like struck with like a line or like a piece of dialogue that you love? And then do you like, do you write it down? Or are you someone who just like, when you're in the mood to write, that's when you write. And the rest of the time you're like, not. Oh, there's no, I, I don't know that I've been in the mood to write for four years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I keep a very busy schedule and I'm in in a writing project right now, I'm luckily just in like an editing lighter phase. So I keep as close to like, okay, it's not really a nine to five. It's like a nine to three. 
mm-hmm. when I'm writing and just keep that down there and get like my word count done every day. I just have to have those tangible goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I will say too, like, I think I mentioned just briefly, I definitely am like, Oh no. Like I've had two glasses of wine. I'm about to fall asleep. Here's this hilarious line or thing. And I would say 20% of those work that I write down are like, send myself via email, but it'll hit every now and again. With those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I'm always, I always come up with the shit that I want to write when I'm like, in my car or like in the shower or somewhere where I can't like readily write something down. But then whenever I'm like in the mood to write something down or I'm like in a space where I can, like nothing ever happens. Yeah. It's tough. And I think people, uh, they're like when inspiration hits and like, I have not heard from her in years. I've yeah. heard she exists, yeah. <laughs> but I have no proof of that. <laughs> I also want to ask you're a Bravo fan big Bravo fan. Yes. And your Instagram is listed as like a Lisa Rinna fan account. It is that something I need to take down this year, (laughs) you know, but sometimes you just have to stand, stand there and say, this is who I am. And I'm afraid that is who I am. And you're owning it, baby. I'm owning it, baby. And with Lisa, I just did uh, Beverly Hills rewatch. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm sure she's doing something wrong here, but I cannot see it. <laughs> I, my favorite Lisa Rinna arc is when she says that Kim Richards is close to death. And when they ask her, she's like, I don't remember if I said it. I don't remember that. I, she's in that green dress, just looking like confused as fuck. Incredible. She and she knows she said it. She knows she said it. I'm still, as I'm doing it, I'm like, that's fine. Look at my friend go. (laughs) You go, girl. Is yours Denise? Oh, Uh, I just need to go to church. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. When she's like crying in, where were they? Italy? Yes. Yeah. So she just kept saying, I don't know. Remember she said she needed to go to church or if she just needed to pray. She was like, like, and I wasn't a good friend to you. That's what's so fascinating about Rinna is she goes from being like the most callous, like straight up evil person to then like falling apart and crying. And I'm like, I know that you're like a good actor. Like, you know, she's like a decent actor. So I'm like, I never know what's real and what's not. I think she honestly fools two people. I think she fools herself Mm -hmm. and she fools me. Yes. Every single time. But that might be the end of the list, you know? Yeah. Would you – so – would you say she's your favorite housewife or do you have any other favorite housewives? She's who I've stuck by the longest. I mm-hmm. would say in like my Dorinda craze, mm. that was a more heightened love affair. But yes. I definitely had, I think, I can't hardly even say it. It makes me sad, but just like that fall from grace was, I stepped away. I stepped away. And Rena, I'm like, I probably should have stepped away, but here I still am. Yeah, Dorinda was tough last season. It was a disappointment for all of us. Yeah, but I feel like it escalated slowly too. Like I think we kept being like, "This is about to be very bad." And yes, it was yes. I was watching like recent seasons, and it's like she's always had an explosive temper. Like always, it was just funnier, and it felt more lighthearted for whatever reason, whereas this last season, it just went to this really dark, like, mean place that, like, we couldn't enjoy anymore. 
Right. There was breadcrumbs. She sewed breadcrumbs that was coming. But yeah, like you said, like she would like flare up and then be able to like laugh about it and be like, sorry, the next day. And that's so much easier to forgive than just like digging your heels in. Yes. Or she would start crying and be like, I'm sorry, I don't want to be mean. I can't want to do that. I'm sorry. I feel like all the audience is going to be laughing over all of the impressions, but I love your Dorinda so much. I miss doing her. That was fun. Um, if you could go on a trip with any Bravo cast, who would you go with and where would you go? Oh, this is so good. Um, you know, I am going through a big Salt Lake phase. Mm, who isn't? So I think I would probably, A, I don't think I would be as intimidated. Because, <laughs> like, I couldn't mm. even begin with the Roni. That's too much for me. Same. Um, Potomac, too high on a pedestal for me. I mm-hmm. would not be able to function nor speak. Salt Lake City, I'm like, okay, I think I could do that. And I would honestly, I just want to go to Tokyo with the Salt Lake City ladies. That sounds so fun. I just want to go to Tokyo, period. But I would specifically very much so like to go with Heather. Oh, Heather would be a blast. That's the thing. Like, that's what I love about the Salt Lake City cast is, like, there are some of the wives who drink and then some don't. So it's not like a 100% Mormon situation 100% of the time. Right. I was just not expect When this was released that that was coming, I was like, well, that's something I don't have to watch. And that's same. And it's just been the surprise of my year. And here we are. Who's your favorite? Would you say Heather's your favorite Salt Lake City housewife? Oh, absolutely. I think there's some people who are giving like incredible performances like Mary, but I would never call her a favorite. Yes. I see that. Um, Like Heather, you like actually want to be friends with like IRL. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I love Jed Shaw as a house. I find her to be a very good housewife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't know that I would want to be in the, could handle being in the same room as Jen, but love her as a housewife. 100%. I, I've really been enjoying Meredith Marks, um, just cause I like the lifestyle porn of like Meredith Marks's entire life. And I think her and her husband are like a really sexy couple. I need them to stop pushing Brooks onto us. I don't like him. I think he's fucking rude. <sighs> Brooks. And it's just, I've never seen such a transparent uh motive yeah since like Ramona Pino Grigio yeah true like, the two main things that have been pushed on Bravo is Brooks and the Pino Grigio and we all yes. know what happened to that Pino Grigio where is it nowhere to be found missing missing in action and I'm sorry his entire line in a floppy air quote was the same sweatsuit over and over and over again. It was a lot. It was, there was, you know, I'm just going to throw out some words that you could connect if you want, but they're just scattered thoughts, honestly. Um, a privileged, mm-hmm. uninspired, mm-hmm. a waste. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I hope that Brooks hears this episode and then like gets really meta about it and makes sweatsuits that say, privileged uninspired waste all over it that yep. would be that'd be more interesting to me and if brooks is listening i still i still believe in you for season two season one just wasn't it it wasn't it it wasn't it for me i want more of chloe i want meredith's daughter i think she seems like a good time 
Oh my gosh. I hardly even remember her. I mean, they're all just like strikingly beautiful. I can't even say that Chloe had the best personality. I think I was just like, oh my God, she's so pretty. And I just like want to see them all be a pretty fun family together. I feel like that's all the kids on this uh, franchise. Yeah. Mary's son who clearly does not want to be on camera. I do not know how they've ever gotten him mic'd. (laughs) (laughs) Buying his girlfriend a Prada purse with Mary's credit card. I love it. Incredible. Incredible. Love every second. Um, Something I love about you, Claire. Oh, God. Is your fearlessness. And I mean that, like, from the depths of my soul. Like, I just, whether you're writing or starring in a video, sharing hilarious anecdotes on your IG story, writing amazing books, I mean, you're just, like, 100% yourself. And I admire that a lot. That being said, can you please quickly tell the story of when you got into a fight with Steve Harvey? Yes, I think that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to preface this by saying I have only been in the audience of two daytime talk shows and both of them ended horribly. So one of them was uh, Steve Harvey. I was invited to go do the Ask Steve portion. For fans of the show, you know what that is. For unfans of the show, uh, they just go in there and they ask Steve like a couple questions that are supposed to feel like unscripted and off the cuff. So Steve looks like he's really mingling with the people, but they're very scripted. And so I was asked to come on and tell the story of the time that my mom permed my bowl cut when I was a child because, uh, she wanted to give me like a more feminine look. Uh, I've always been, you know, a little androgynous and she's like, I've got a fix. And it was a perm. And I definitely got beat up the next day. And to this day, she's like, what a weird coincidence. Cannot believe that happened. And so it's just, come on, mom, Marianne. (laughs) So I was just asking, like, it was supposed to be like, Steve, do you think that was a coincidence or was it because of the haircut? My mistake was that I had never seen the Steve Harvey show. I like, knew who he was from reference points, but had never seen it. And I got there and we were backstage for hours with no water or snacks, but they were just playing his old shows on loop. And I was so angry and offended by the time I got the microphone at like, just like the sexist garbage that came out of his mouth. That by the Mm -hmm. time I got a microphone, I was like shouting and it was my fault. It was my fault. And the audience booed me. Steve was very rude to me. And again, Steve was in the right here. And like by all all accounts, Steve was right. Uh, And he just kept like backing away from me. And I was just trying to ask the question, but it was in a like shouting voice. Like it was, it was, do you feel like by the time you actually asked it, it was like when you're in that space where you're like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. But like, it's that like, pushed energy of like, I'm so pissed off, but I'm smiling. Like, was that where you were at? Yes. And then I just started manically laughing and an (laughs) audience member like tried to say something to me and I just turned around and yelled at them into the microphone. (laughs) And Steve was just like, I don't know what the hell is going on. And I just like yelled back in the mic. It sounds like you don't like loud, strong women. (laughs) Just just not my best moment. And then, uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember what he said. Oh, 
he was like, you need to look at this as a blessing. You need to look at this as a blessing because men used to hit you, but now they hit on you. And that's the silver lining. And I just yelled bullshit into the microphone. And that's kind of when the microphone got taken away. <laughs> Is that when he started singing an improvised song? Yeah, he sang an improvised song. Uh, now, it was to the tune of Let It Go. About uh, letting go. Like, it, like this happened so long ago. Just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great song. And they managed to cobble together of what was... Uh, my husband, Alan, was in the audience. We were separated, so not sitting with each other. He said he watched the clock and it went on for 11 minutes. <laughs> and they cobbled together like 30 seconds of television where Steve looked incredible and I looked manic. <laughs> because I was manic. And like the audience member tried to give me a massage afterwards. And I was like, that went so well. And you were like, horrible, ma'am. Wait, and then what did Alan say to you after? Oh, he said something like, that just did not go as well as you thought. And I was like, (laughs) I know how bad that went. We have to leave (laughs) right now. We have to go. But Steve gives an improvised sermon at the end of every filming. So we had to sit through that. He cried. He was giving a sermon about how poor people just aren't praying right. And then he cried and had to leave. And then you were like, for the love of God, let me go home. Oh, when they opened those doors, I was just power walking out of there. (laughs) Wait, what was the other daytime talk show you were on? Girl. Okay. I took my mom to The View because (gasps) she is a View fanatic. Fun! Yes. She helped me. Um, we moved to New York on short notice and my mom like helped us pack up the house. And I was like, when we get there, I'll take you to any Broadway show. Probably can't get Hamilton tickets. Anything else you want, let's go. And she's like, I just want to go to the view. Oh, I was like, Oh my God, absolutely. So we get, I know. And we get there and they have a sign a waiver. That's like, will you accept a gift that's valued over $75? And my mom just started shaking with excitement and we get in there and she's like she truly watches it every day and will call me and be like whoopi said this today you won't believe what joy said and she always will say i don't agree with megan mccain but i thought this point you know just <laughs> loves, just loves the ladies and we get in there and like we've filmed one segment there's flashing lights we're up and clapping and i my mom just reaches over and grips my shoulder and we're she's like we need we need to get down right now I was like, okay. And we get seated and she just goes into my lap, flops over. And we're all fainters. All women in my family are fainters. But I was like, this is about to happen. And someone comes over and was like, do you need to leave? And mom's like, I've got it. Well, she's still in my lap. It's like, I'm fine. And they're like, no, we need to get you out. And she gets up to go, faints on the stairwell. They revive her. Do not worry. She's fine. She is fine. Oh my God. On the stairwell, she goes out cold. They get her and she comes back up. She's like, I'm a nurse. I know what this is. I'm fine. (laughs) Her first words. (laughs) And then she's like, I'd like to go back to my seat. And they're like, no, ma'am, you cannot. Like we've had to like, hold up for a second. We got to get you out of here. And she gets backstage, projectile vomits. And I believe goes down one more time. And they're like, ma'am, you have to leave. And she's like, I would like back to my seat, please. And they make her go in an ambulance. And my dad and I are just backstage watching everything. And we're so used to her fainting that we were like, it's okay. And they were like, 
you guys have to go. And I was like, I know that. And you know that, but you need a full security team. If you're kicking this woman out of the view, <gasps> she came here to see Joy Behar. Oh my and God. sure enough, 10 minutes later, she just pops back. She's gotten her goodie bag and she gets back to her seat. Oh my God. So she got to see the show. She made it back in. And my friend knew people that worked at the show. And they're like, we've had so many fainters over the year, but none of them have made it back in. And we do not know how she got back in. I was like, Marianne's an icon. She said she found an unlocked door. Like she was supposed to leave the bill. And she's like, I just found a door back in. Oh my God. What a rebel. I love. Those are the only two talk shows I've ever been to. And I just, one of them, you know, neither were my fault. And that's the truth. I was going to say rule of three is now you have to go to a third. And like, I hope it goes like exactly how you want it to go. I know. I can't think of a talk show that like a daytime talk show. I would want to see since Rosie's off the air though. That's fair. I went to, one time I went to Conan when I was like visiting LA before I lived here and I went with my friend and my friend like had a crush on Conan. She was like more excited than I was, but I was like, maybe there will be like a super cool like celebrity guest. And the celebrity guests were Ray Romano and the kid who plays Malfoy. And I was like, this sucks. Like I thought it was going to be like Ryan Gosling and like, I don't know, like someone from Glee or like something a little exciting. I was like, this could not have been more lame. And was this Ray Romano before his incredible time on the hit series Parenthood? It might have been during. The one good thing, though, was Fortune Feimster was the comedian that day. And it was, like, right when she was starting. And so it was cool to, like – and she, like, messed up a joke. And she – I remember, like, when they cut to commercial, she, like, looked at Conan kind of panicked. And, like, we read his lips. And he's like, they're going to cut it. Like, it's going to be okay. And then I saw her in Chicago, like, a year later, like – what's that old town ale house? And I was like, I was in the audience at Conan and you're thriving now. And it's just so cool to see. And she was like, Oh my God. Old town ale house. Oh, I hope she's doing well. Yeah. Oh, she's thriving. Oh my God. Old town ale house. What do you miss it? I So I miss Chicago a lot. I lived there for eight years and stuff like old town ale house. I just, I'm like, I don't think like I'll ever feel at home anywhere else again. Like I did Chicago. What is it about? See, I never like loved Chicago that much when I lived there, but there is there's something about like Chicago bars that like when you find the ones you go to regularly, they feel homier than any other bar anywhere in the world. Yes, Chicago is an interesting thing because it was like I would still to this day be like, that's the best place I've ever lived. But I would say in the same breath, I would never move back there. That's how I feel. Like I miss it dearly. Could maybe do a three day weekend. Would love to do, yeah, I visited for like a week, like in November of like 2019. And I was like, wow, this is so great. This is so fun. Like fall in Chicago is the best, but I was like, now that it's like 70 degrees here and 20 degrees there, I'm like, I'm never going back. I can't do it. I know. I know. It's just the best place to live for maybe seven to 10 years. Yes. Do you have a favorite Chicago bar or restaurant? Oh my gosh. Yes. Let me, I lived above a pizza place <gasps> called Rinaldi's, Rinaldi's mm. um, on Broadway. And so I would say that's what I miss the most just because it was like per slice, three bucks and just <sighs> the best. And I remember being like, I only go there when I've had a bad day. That's the only time I go. And finally one day they were like, okay, see you tomorrow. And I was like, I just have to read. I have to sit down and read. <laughs> You know what? They did see me the next day. They sure did. Oh my gosh. Wait, what were your cross streets? 
Um, I was Broadway and surf. So I was right across from that TJ Maxx and like little Walmart grocery store. Love. What a good time. Yes. I digress. I was just shooting from the hip there. That wasn't a written question. I just, I improvised. Oh my gosh. I love that. (laughs) Um, what? Okay. Sorry. I'm like looking through my notes here. Okay. So you're an author of two books and a play. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The play was supposed to go up at the Kennedy center. Um, you know, summer this summer and it did not happen (laughs) oh my god so should anybody ever want to look through my google docs there is a great play in there (laughs) but that's it oh my god I want to read your play do you you think it's is it gonna get to go up on the other side of this hellscape it's so hard to say right now I would lean on the side of no but uh, you just never know with stuff like that Damn. Can I ask you though, the first time you had like a published piece of writing, like on a shelf, do you remember like what that moment was like for you? It was crazy because it just truly, the book process is so slow. Mm -hmm. Like I've been working on the current book right now for two years Mm -hmm. and like me, Alan and my agent have seen it. Mm -hmm. So it's such a like slow personal process and then all of a sudden just like see it in a bookstore the first one I saw was in Chicago (gasps) um and now I cannot even remember the name and I love that oh unabridged books in Chicago was the first place I saw it was such a cool moment did you cry oh would cry again if I'm crying right now Yeah. yeah yeah so it was a cool feeling I had um two books come out in 2016. It was a weird thing because one was like written in 2013. One was written in 2015, but just because the book world is so different. They came out at very similar times. Mm -hmm. That's wild. That's so cool. I just like, I'm so much of the belief that like when you hit like a personal milestone that you've been like dreaming of forever, like to like make it a moment for yourself and like let it be a moment because like that's so fucking cool. Like the first time you see your book on a shelf, like you're never going to have that exact time again. So it's like, live it up, like cry, enjoy it. It's so magical. Yes. What's cute about the book world is they'll send out like a little pamphlet too about your book to some people. And I think um, I cried harder when I saw the pamphlet. <laughs> oh, I love a book pamphlet. It's just like a little mailer. Sorry, Obo's over there shaking at me. Uh, <laughs> out. I was like, this is it. I've done it. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Really quick. Why did you name your dog Oboe? Because I think it's the cutest name in the world. Oh, I did not want the name Oboe when we got him. I was very set on the name Banjo and we're going to be picking up Oboe the next day. And Alan was like, well, I don't want to name it after an instrument I play. And I'm like, okay, you played the banjo like twice, but okay. (laughs) go ahead. And so he's like, but I love the name of an instrument, but it can't be banjo. And I'm like, well, we're kind of out then. And he didn't like Harper either. And he kept coming back to Oboe. And I was like, no, no, not that name. And then all night I'd be like, what are we going to name Oboe? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just stuck. And I have like a little bit of an accent from question mark. uh, And everyone always thinks I'm saying elbow. When I tell them on the street, they're like, oh, elbow, that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. 
Oboe's a star. Truly iconic. He's a star dog. Um, Really quick, I want to ask you. These are like my standard interview questions. I love it. First of all, Claire Linick, where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in Aurora, Nebraska. I don't Uh, think I knew that. Yeah, it's a small – it didn't make it into our three-hour date. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't ask. (laughs) Okay. It's okay. I didn't offer up. Uh, it, and again, this did come up very naturally and I want that to be remembered. I was prom queen of Aurora, Nebraska. So I, I was prom queen of Highland Park, Illinois. No. Oh, oh my gosh. What year? 2009. I was 2007. So a little bit your senior and that's okay. I love now, this for us. You know, I would hate to come on this podcast and brag. You know, I would <laughs> But I was asked to go back to prom and perform a little comedy. It was it did get canceled because of COVID, but they oh. were gonna get me a wireless microphone and I might be asked back next time prom is there, they said. Oh my god, take that, Steve Harvey. Someone is giving you a microphone wow. again. Wow, Steve Harvey said no to me and Aurora Nebraska said yes. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, career moves. That's incredible. Wow. How vindicating that your high school is like, please come back and like be famous and like entertain the kids. So funny. Yeah. It's a small, small town. It was, I think 3000 when I grew up there, it's grown a little, I think she's up to 5,000. Uh, one stoplight that we had to get because, uh, they built the McDonald's in town and it was just chaos. (laughs) McDonald's will do that. I love McDonald's. McDonald's. I (sighs) Listen, I do too. They had that in a pizza hut and I still crave both of those things pretty wow. much 24/7. Who doesn't? Yeah, but my uh my sister moved back to my hometown actually a few years ago. So she's holding down the fort out there in Aurora. Oh my gosh, is it fun to visit? It has been really nice because my parents haven't lived there for like um, a decade now, and so it's been mm-hmm. cool to like go back and hang out. She moved from Chicago to Aurora. Ah. Uh. What a chill transition. I know. I know. And at first I was like very shocked by it, but it's pretty enviable now. Do you ever like daydream about that? Like, like living in one big city after another, like, do you ever just daydream about just like moving to like Montana, like to a ranch and just like in the middle of nowhere and just falling off the grid, deleting all your socials? Yes. Yes. And like, I truly, if I could pick the 3,000 people that were going to be in the town, I would do it. Yes. Oh, wouldn't that be fun if just you and all your friends, like, made a pact to move to the same, like, small town and then everyone just, like, lived by each other? That's what I miss about college so much is everyone just, like, being by each other all the time. I know. I know. And I'm afraid that we're slowly starting to describe a cult. (laughs) (laughs) But I am still are. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, we all lived on a compound, wore the same clothes, did we the same activities, the same area, moved in, yeah, believed the same things, and liked <laughs> the same people. Honestly, and I have not yet said no once during this because I'm still on. I, anytime I watch a cult documentary, like in the early stages, I'm like, I would have, I would have been susceptible. Like, I 100 percent would have joined. Oh my gosh, terrifying. Yes. Yes, there's especially like a Heaven's Gate where I'm like, I haven't watched that one yet. 
Oh, Heaven's Gate is wild. I interviewed two of the surviving members from Heaven's Gate <gasps> and it was one of the best interviews I've ever given. And not because of me, because it was so easy and so professional because they're like one mission in life is to keep doing these like interviews and stuff. So they were like back to me like that. Wow. Now I have to watch that documentary and then like text you as I'm watching. Please, please. Now I did ask them if they voted for Trump and they would not confirm. So yes, they did. Oh, sure. Well, that's unfortunate, but I'm so that's glad like that my they- one juicy tidbit from the heavens <laughs> remaining. Still happy for them that they survived a cult. Really wish they uh, weren't supporting another cult leader in the process. You know, there's give and take all across the land. A hundred percent. Okay. You wrote a book called The Awkward Phase. Yes. And with that, I want to ask one of my standard questions, which is what was junior high like for you? Oh boy. Uh, You know, I think from, if people were seeing my junior high from the outside, they're like, that was tough on her. Mm -hmm. But I was very unaware of that. Amazing. Like, blissfully unaware where I was like, everyone is loving what I'm doing. And when I you like love look back, that. when you look back, it's like clearly not. But I was just like, I am living for this. Like eighth grade was like the funnest year of my life. I this is so refreshing. I love this so much. So, like, what was your vibe in junior high? Like, what did you like? I was a skater girl. Um so I was very into that full vibe and definitely into like pop punk. Like I went to um, a couple just like different concerts and I had to take drama. I mean, cause I would get so overwhelmed with excitement. <laughs> at like a 182 concert and just like lose it. You know what? Like that kind of vibe. Where I like, would die at a blink 182 concert. I would need to take drama. I mean, now I know newfound glory. I was like, this is celebrity status that I'm even here. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I loved eighth grade and actually the book that I'm writing right now takes place in eighth grade. And Mm. that's been interesting because I didn't mean to write it to be in eighth grade. I thought I was writing a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. And when I passed it off to my agent, she was like, yeah, this is not an 18 year old. This is a 13 year old. And I was like, I truly thought I'd written the most edgy character. (laughs) And she was like, Claire, even like the kissing scene is very mild. And I was like, someone takes their shirt off. And she was like, it doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I definitely wrote like a Bridgerton, like episode three sex scene instead of a Bridgerton, like episode eight. So it it is a 13 year old now. Oh my God. That's so, this is part of why, like, I just think writing is like the bravest thing ever because when you're like, no, surely, like, you're going to understand exactly what I put on the page and then you, someone else reads it and they're like, no, I didn't get it. Like, that's vulnerable. <laughs> I know. Well, and I love my agent and she was so chill and nice about it and just kind of like laid it out. And I was like, when I started reading her notes, I was like, well, she's wrong. And within like three minutes later, I'm like, she's absolutely right. And why hasn't anyone told me this before yet? <laughs> I was like, I have got a pulse on the youth. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you and Bo Burnham could like collab. I would love a collab with Bo Burnham. Once I saw the movie eighth grade, I was like, I feel so seen by this entire movie. I haven't finished it yet. And I don't mean that because I don't like it. I love that movie and have watched two separate chunks of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just saving that third for later because I can't do it. It's too real. It's so real. It's like a little bit triggering. Like that scene at the pool party, 
Like there is nothing more stressful than like a junior high pool party. It's just like chaos. Except for the one kid who didn't know it was stressful and was probably the most awkward was like me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I, but that's like, but you're the person who like, everyone grows up and is like, man, Claire was the shit. Like she, she always fucking knew who she was. Like, that's really cool. Whereas like when I was in eighth grade, I was like, I wanted so badly to just be like anybody else. And there's nothing more tragic than watching someone try so hard to be someone else and like obviously fail because it's, you're not supposed to do that. Listen, we both made it out though. And I think, should you ask anybody from my school days, I doubt this shit would come up with any of them. (laughs) But that's a sweet thought. And I'm going to hold that tight. Oh my God. Hold it tight. What was your first job? Oh, I worked in the cornfields. I worked in picking corn. Uh, so rookie stuff, Hannah, that is for the rookies. (laughs) I'm working very hard to not be offended by what you just said to me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That is uh, totally valid. What I did was uh, my dad is a genetic engineer um, and he does drought studies. So it's specifically for like making stronger roots and stuff. So I worked in cornfields with like in that capacity. So I was what they called a corn breeder. Whoa. Exactly what it sounds like where I just made sure the right plant was like pollinating the correct husk. How old were you? I started, um, and I started with detasseling. I started when I was 11. That is and I, so cool. I did it to my last summer of moving to Chicago when I was 22. So you were a corn breeder for, I'm no mathematician, 10 years? Yes, yes. That's amazing. Did you only do it in the summer? Or oh, did yeah. You do- yeah. yeah. We, there was some stuff you could do in the winter, uh, but not really like some office work that was just like a little boring. And there was counting seeds too, which was the worst work in the world. Oh my God. I can literally only imagine. Wow. I really thought that you just went around and picked corn. I was like, that sounds fun. And some days we did, if I'm being honest, even <laughs> as I was like, no, no, no. Of course <laughs> it happened some days. Well, at Illinois State, they did corn fest every fall. And like, it, it, it was literally just like a like a little art fair like in the uptown area but they would have like free corn and like everyone could get like a free piece of corn with like butter on it and like there was really good seasoning and stuff and like I don't know like fresh corn is so bomb yes absolutely it's so Alan grew up in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and now he always plays these video games where he's like pretending to farm <laughs> and I do this he's, I'm just so embarrassed I'm like, like, I could have landed with any farmer in the world. And I tried several times. And here I am with a man pretending to farm on his computer. <laughs> what's he playing? Like Oregon Trail? Like, what's he playing? I don't, it's, yeah, it's based, it, all video games kind of look like Oregon Trail to me. I am pretty bad at like, I love like a video game on like PS4 or something, but I am bad at PC games. Cannot keep up. I can't even remember. Oh, wait. I was going to say, I can't remember the last time I played a PC game, but I played Zumbinis at the beginning of quarantine. Did you ever play that game? No, I don't know that. Is it like it's, Neopets? No, it's it's like 
these little creatures, you have to get them to like Zumbiniville and it, there's like a whole story that goes with it. And it's all these like logic games that get like increasingly harder the more you play. So when I first started playing it, I would play for like fucking like seven hours at a time being like, I'm so smart. Like I'm rescuing all these Zumbinis. And then like it eventually got too hard. And like, it's a game for children from the nineties. And I got to a point where I was like, this is just making me feel stupid and I have to stop. Well, then that's not your fault, but I do feel like I'm going to be logging on to play that tonight. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll, yeah, I'll help you there. You have to go on this website called steam that I swear doesn't give you any viruses. Then you have to download. Do you have steam? We have, that is Mr. Alan Linick loves that device thing. That is- <laughs> Zubini's is on steam report back. Once you start playing, it's a blast. Okay, perfect. Um, what was your favorite outfit that you wore to a school dance? Oh man, I have to think back on those. Okay, now this this is going to involve a kit and heel in the end, and so I just want to make that clear now, and it will become you know. But yeah, there was a place in Nebraska called Ruby Begonias, which repurposed vintage dresses. Cool, and I did that a couple of times. But there was one that was like white cream and brown polka dot. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add some light pink kitten heels and make like a little like Neapolitan, like ice cream moment. Yes. Like a little Betty Boop moment. Yes. Yes. And I took my homeschool boyfriend and we danced the night away. That sounds so fun. Also kitten heels are like fully back, like no shame. Thank good. And these were like definitely, so I gotten these uh, secondhand as well and they were orthopedics. <laughs> so oh they were God. very comfortable, but I, I'd wear them again. Truly. You were ahead of your time. That sounds chic as fuck. Thank you so much. Oh my God. And I love that. Like you gave your homeschooled boyfriend a night on the town. He deserved it. He deserved one night out. He did. <laughs> you I know, took him to like every dance and he was popular. People liked him at the dances. I feel like just because in such a small school of a hundred, same a hundred kids forever. People are like, we've got one new one. Yeah. He was like, mis- like inherently mysterious because he was homeschooled. Exactly. Jake was homeschooled until he was like 10. And I like forget it. I forget that like often. Yes. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. Um, Who was your cartoon crush growing up? Oh no. Um, (laughs) I think probably number one was Robin Hood. Oh yes. And to this day, I find that to be very confusing. And I I think think a lot of people do, but you're not alone. Yeah. Letters should be written. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Disney, I always say this, like they purposely animated animals to look like attractive people. Like they knew what they were doing and it's confusing. Yes. And I rewatched it recently and I was like, this was just, this was not me. Cause I think you're like, ha ha. When you like kind of look back on it and you get to there, like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) This was purposeful. And I fell into this trap. Yes. And like, he's British and he's like a good guy and he's like romantic with Maid Marian. Like he's a good friend. He's a good friend. He's dashing. Oh, I might rewatch tonight. Could be. Yeah. Honestly, I always say that the rooster from the beginning of Robin Hood, who like plays his little banjo, is it a banjo? It's mandolin. Some stringed instrument. Yeah. He always, I always think in my head that like he has like Matthew McConaughey energy. (gasps) Absolutely. Now you can't unsee it. I know. Yes. And I saw someone in, in probably five years ago, I saw someone just walking down the streets of Chicago 
with a big arm tattoo of that rooster. And I was like, that's the tattoo. <gasps> I love, I'm like, and I would not get it, but I'm like, I would love it. You're like, but respect. That's such like a Chicago hipster tattoo. And like, I love every yes. second. Yes. Wow. 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 Who would your celebrity bestie be and why? Oh my. Oh my. You know, I would love to think Rachel Maddow. Mm, I love that for you. Yeah. I just feel like she's so informed and so snarky. And I love that, you know, she has a tough job, but just the smugness that comes through on like a win for her is always the best. We love to see it. I bet she's like fun at parties too. I can see it. And, you know, in our industry, uh, not my industry, but your industry and Alan's industry of like film and TV, we hear a lot about people behind the scenes. And not once have I heard one negative thing about her. So I'm standing, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. You do like know some like tea. Oh, I have had to tell Alan at like functions, family functions. I'm like, you can talk about politics all you want. Do not say one damn thing about a late night host. We will not be having that here. He just, told my mom about Ellen before the news broke and she was heartbroken. It is so funny how shocked, because I feel like, and I, I'm not trying to sound annoying here, listeners. I feel like if you live in LA, everyone like knows someone who knows someone who has like a really bad Ellen story of just like her being really mean. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone, all my family in the Midwest, all my friends in the Midwest are all like, no. What? Really? And I'm like, I feel like here it's just like, yeah, obviously. Obviously. Well, my mom did call me after watching her special and was like, I see it now. (gasps) Oh, I can see it. And she like can't unsee it since Alan told her like two Christmases ago. (laughs) (laughs) No. I know. I know. So, you know, that's kind of the danger there. But nothing about my, my good friend, Rachel Maddow. I love that. I love that. What is, this is a new question that I added to my list. What is your favorite act of self-care? I was just about to say, as I was drinking water, I'm like, it's drinking water. I think maybe just because it's what I was doing. That's good. Very careful recently about my water intake and upping it. And I swear to you, I don't know if it's just me tricking myself. I feel a difference. I feel that. Like, do you just feel more energized, less sleepy, just like overall better? And I'm a very like headachey person. And Mm -hmm. first of all, I got a new harder pillow, which I'm really, I mean, truly the thrills of like being 31. I'm like this new pillow. I've got to get on a podcast to tell people about this. Got it at Costco. I feel so seen right now because I love like a stiff pillow and like a stiff mattress. Otherwise my neck hurts because it like falls backwards. Yes. And this one's like so stiff that sometimes as I'm like waking up in the morning, it like cracks my neck. I'm like, this is it. (laughs) But I've had weightless headaches and I don't know if it's the water. I don't know if it's the pillow. I don't know, but I'm living for it. That's amazing. Yeah. I added this question to the list because I was like, I feel like in 2021, yes, we're out of 2020, but clearly we're still dealing with some shit. She's pretty similar. I'll tell you. Um, Mm-hmm. Haven't seen a big difference yet, but I've heard it's coming. Yeah, um, agree. And I was like, I want to promote different acts of self care to listeners so that we can all 
try them together. So everyone drink more water. Oh, I love that. Yes. Do you have like a water bottle that you like love that like makes it more exciting for you? I have one that I love, but it's hand washed. So I rarely use it. Oh my God. I get that. And I got like a special like bottle washer for it. I'm like, this is going to help. It's just a swell bottle, but I'm like obsessed, but I still am too lazy for the hand wash situation. Me too. Me too. I feel like having just a pretty version of anything like makes it more fun. Like if I like had like pretty dental floss, I would probably floss more often. You know what I mean? Yes. I love any gimmicky product. like Yeah. Like an aesthetic. We like an aesthetic. Aesthetic's better than gimmicky. I'm going to take your word. That's much better. (laughs) Um, Do you have a hype up song? And if so, what is it? Oh my. Um, I'm sure it's Cher. Uh, I'm a big Cher fan. Uh, Man, just any of them really... But Save Up All Your Tears is one of my absolute favorites of hers. And I've like blasted that a lot on like the dog walks and stuff, just like alone into the night. I love a moody dog walk, like with music. Yes. Yes. (sighs) That's amazing. I feel like my hype up music usually is like a little bit like sad or angry. And I don't mean in like a very dramatic way. I just mean like maybe moody is the right thing with like a Bruce Springsteen or something. I'm like, that's just going to get me hyped, but I'm not sure it's really the core plan behind it. Totally. Well, it's also like, also hype up is like a general term because it's like, what am I getting hyped up for? Is it for like an interview or a meeting or am I getting hyped up to go out and meet my friends? Like, I feel like a moody hype up song gets you like in your feels and that can hype you up for plenty of reasons, like plenty of uses and occasions. Yes, absolutely. And Alan has become very aware because we, you know, are just right on top of each other here. Anytime I'm playing the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack, he's like, what's going on? Is everything okay? You're having a moment. Yeah. So that's You're- my like, opposite hype. Are you like a huge Buffy fan? I had never watched Buffy uh, except for the Once More with Feeling episode because we mm-hmm. did not watch TV growing up in my household except for like Star Trek. <gasps> so... I've been become like a later in life, like big lover of pop culture. I feel like it was like they accidentally created a monster by doing that. And so I watched How Buffy fun. and I've become like fanatic about it in the last year. I bought myself uh, Buffy pajamas. Fun. Like, is there like a print on it that just, it's just mini Buffy's <laughs> all over them? It's just one big Buffy. And then it's like, me- it's it's four preteens. And then it's like mesh sleeves that are like itchy. And I just love the little thing. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I feel like I watched Buffy growing up. Like it would always be on like TBS or no, that's maybe TNT, like early in the morning. And so I'd be getting ready for school. And if I was ready early, I would like plop on the couch and watch some Buffy before it was time to go to school. Oh, but I haven't watched it like chronologically ever cannot recommend enough. I feel like this is the time. This is the time. There's no time like the present. Are you, who are you more into Spike or Angel? It is an insult to my intelligence that they're trying to pass Angel off as a sexual being. I I find him to be a very handsome man, but there's nothing sexual about him. Agree. Maybe not that handsome, the most sexual. I love Spike. I love Spike too. I've always been team Spike. 
Oh my gosh. And I definitely am team like Giles is very sexy as well to me. Yes. Isn't he like a professor or something? And he's like British. Mm-hmm. He was a librarian and it just, it's a little too much for me to handle. And if there's like a spike and Giles scene, I'm, I'm just, I'm out. I'm out for the night. You're like, forget about it. Alan, you need to leave the room. <laughs> it's so, it's bad. It's bad. I have to rewatch now. Again, I'll be texting you about that and the Heaven's Gate documentary. We have so much to discuss. Please. And just know that I will be drinking water and wearing my Buffy pajamas. Uh, and just making all of these texts. That offers me so much comfort, just knowing that you drinking water in your Buffy pajamas is waiting for me on the other side. <laughs> my mesh pajama pants. <laughs> Not even pants, just a night shirt. Oh my God. Well, my final question for you, this flew by, by the way, is so I fun. Know. Oh my gosh. Um, my final question for you, and I don't know if you're gonna be able to answer it because you do already have your Buffy pajamas, but what's something considered aspirational that you don't have yet, but you want to have? Oh my goodness. I mean, I have everything I need. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not sure it's aspirational, but what I really need right now that I want is just a big, like home goods haul. Oh, like the stuff that it's like, I'm going to hide these bags from myself as soon as I get home because I'm embarrassed. I'm like, I want those area rugs. I want those ceramics that make no sense. I want those candles. I just aspirational. I think it is. You know what? It is aspirational. That's what I'm missing right now. Like I realized today that like nothing in my house has that like yellow or red sticker on it right now. And I feel very sad about that. Wow. I get that. There is truly nothing more like like energizing than like an intense home goods or target haul where you're just like, I just got so much stuff. I know. I know. And you can kind of do it online, but it just isn't the same as like, whoopsie, how did this all happen? Yes. And you're like dragging your bags to the car and you're like proudly closing your trunk. Like, can't wait to put all this shit in my house. (laughs) Uh, That's it. That's all I need this year. And I feel like I can do it. Claire, it's going to happen for you. I just know it. Um, Claire, this was truly just like an absolute blast. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. Honored. Oh my God. It was such a blast. Will you please just like tell my listeners where they can find you and plug any projects? Oh, yes. Uh, So guys, I mean, write it down. I might have a book coming out in another two years. So Uh, and then I am on a podcast called the mystery County monster hunters. And this is, this is for all the nerds out there. It's an actual play RPG game of monster of the week. And so it is like a Buffy, like monster of the week podcast. And I play a janitor slash monster hunter. So see how there. That's so cool. I can't wait to listen. It's very nerdy. It's very fun, but it's like a great group of just comedians and storytellers and nerds doing that. So fun. And what's your handle? Where can they follow you? Oh, I'm just Claire Linick across the board. I love. You know, the joys, like I said, last surviving of the Linux here. Y'all follow Claire, check out that podcast. Claire, thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably text you right after this. (laughs) Listeners, we'll see you next week. Bye.